Let me just recap us. A dare. What about dad? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. What a dad. What about dad? Hey, welcome back. <laughs> Supergirl. <laughs> this, this week, week on, on the Super, Super Salty Review, we will be talking about episode three, Man of Steel. Previously on Supergirl, President Marsden stepped down after it became public knowledge that she was an alien. Ooh, the drama. Mercy and Otis Graves escaped from the DEO with the help of Agent Jensen. Those hoes ain't loyal. <laughs> a kryptonite glitter bomb exploded, poisoning the atmosphere and downing Supergirl mid-flight. This week, we open on Supergirl still falling out of the sky mid-flight. Black Hawk down. <laughs> <laughs> and the DEO not being able to get a hold of her, Alex reaches out to Jean. And Jean... From the outside. Just kidding. And John is able to speed in in the nick of time and swoop her into uh, in, out of the air into his warm, strong man arms or alien man arms and uh, save the day. In the arms of an angel. <laughs> if you can tell, my voice is absolutely gone today, but it's all good. You got the But point. she's ready to use it for the sake of the cast. It's true. It's true. Right. What did you think of this episode, Adair? Um, I actually really liked it. I, I think it was a very slow-paced episode, but for good reason. I think they used um, the fact that Melissa wasn't there. I think they took that time and really used it well. I think that if you're not going to have your lead character in the episode, then give us something. We don't need to really see Alex right now. Not really. Lena, I mean, we always love to see her, but like... It was really smart to include the villain. Let's give them a full backstory. Um, they don't normally take the time to do that on this show. They normally just kind of go, pow, you're bad. And then we figure it out a few, you know. And because of the climate of now going, you know, in the world, I think it was a really smart move. Right, right. Melissa Benoist, she was not in this episode because she was on Broadway. The Broadways. <laughs> she was, she was, uh, she was playing. Carol King. In Beautiful. And you know what? I gotta see it, Adair. Gotta tell you, I was in the third row mm -hmm. orchestra, mm -hmm. and Melissa Benoist was singing close enough that if she spittered, it would it would catch. It would catch. You were trying to catch her spittle. I get it. No, I was. <laughs> but anyways, I, I thought it was. I thought just so you know, she did a really good job, and it was well worth sacrificing this filler episode for the chance to see her in her glory. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I yeah, get yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, this week felt like a Hallmark episode, like villain, when villains go evil. Yeah. Yeah, like it was like, it was like the Hallmark Channel version light <laughs> of a villain story or like, yeah, a villain story. Um, I thought that this was a really, I, I agree with you entirely. They really seized the opportunity create and cultivate this this season's big bad 
and I felt that it was <laughs> it just shows you where they pri their priorities are because they could have taken the episode and written into like a James heavy episode. Let's reset this character. Yeah. Let's tap. Let's 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 own the James narrative. Let's give him an episode early on. We got nothing this week. We don't even have the star of the show this week. Why? Let's focus on some character development of our our of our main cast. Some who have been sorely needing it. But rather than doing that, they're like, <laughs> no, no. Let's just focus on Agent Liberty. So you could see where the priority lies. When it comes to development. Even in this episode, they could have really, like, made, brought in more of, like, the main cast to do more scene work than they did. But they chose to keep the perspective entirely on the Lockwood family. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, I get it because I get what they're going for, you know, as far as, like, showing the same kind of political storyline that we have going on right now. And, I mean, I think it was a smart way of showing that you could be a hateful, hateful person and you might not have started off that way. You know? I just feel like I feel like the plight of the white middle American man has been well documented in Vox, Washington Post, New York Times, Washington Examiner, the Federal Papers, Axios, Political, The Onion, The Onion. <laughs> it's been well documented. You know, like Hillary Clinton literally wrote a book called What Happened. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I think that people forget, though, that the reason why, like, obviously, yes, it's documented, but I don't think people really get the idea that sometimes hate isn't from just hating. It's, in a way, circumstantial. Like, if you keep getting hurt by a group of people, when you, are, first, you're like, oh, I'm cool with these people, but then just life, you keep getting hurt by these people over and over in different ways, different forms, eventually you get a a bias you get you end up getting um uh what do you call it uh, not a what's the word i'm looking for not racist the other one um you evolve into your bias bias you evolve yeah. into your point of view yeah yeah exactly you know and then when it becomes seething then you start showing like a hatred because now you're just hurt you know and so like i've always said this like i'm not a huge fan obviously of people who voted for our current situation um but I do get that some people did it out of fear. They did it because they were hurt and they thought, they genuinely thought that that was going to help. Um, and I can't be mad at them for trying to find a way out or hoping, you know, whatever. Um, because the thing is with Ben Lockwood, the guy was a professor. He was supposed to be shaping the minds and everything so you wouldn't think that he was going to be as gullible to um, tragedy and all that stuff. But then family stuff happened, fathers died. It just kept hitting him in the face, hitting him in the face that it's these people, it's this group that's hurting his family and his well-being and his life, which morphed his mind. But then also, he was living with a man who had hate. He didn't have a, a real reason to be upset at aliens, but he made one. And he told his son that narrative. And then he got used to it. Well, that was teach. his brother. George was his brother. True, true, true. Okay, but, like, you still teach that, you know what I'm saying? And you snide comments from your dad, though. Lockwood had snide comments the whole time. It was like, these aliens, this, that, and the other... And it just kept piling up, you know? I just feel like, okay, so this episode yeah. chronicles the radicalization yeah. of Ben Lockwood tracing back from season one with President Marsden. Like, we open on President Marsden um, announcing the Alien Amnesty Act, and we get the speech that Supergirl gave in season one. Uh, one and then it, we find out later that this Ben Lockwood father owns a still 
factory. Factory has been in business for 20 years and it has a contract with the Luthers. The Luthers have been having them make products for them or so they they were I believe it was contracted by the Luthers, not owned by the Luthers. Yes. And so now the Luthers have pulled out of a contract that was obviously part a, a large part of their business and they are now um contracting with ninth ninth metal or nth metal which is a form of uh, alien metal and it destroys uh ben's father's business and one of the things i thought was that i felt like the father figure in this episode was a little bit too much of a stereotype or a character and i i had a really hard time like buying into his lines just because buying into him because he was so such a like just kind of like a character caricature of a larger like angry white he's a profile of an angry white middle american male and i I felt like it didn't feel that he was like a genuine character he was saying a lot of um kind of tropey things that i feel like he was a conglomerate of tropes put together and into and into ben's world just to help him uh, help help build and develop that negative perspective that ben ultimately comes to embody i thought like for me the least convincing part of the whole father character the hardest sell was actually the scene where the factory the steel factory was on fire or falling apart or whatever it was attacked and you know the ben father's character is like let me die, son. My time is past. This has been my life. And I was like, who wants to die in a steel factory? I don't think that was actually his life. His life was his family. And it just felt like that was just the most tropey, kind of hard-to-swallow reasoning that they had. And because this character was so foul and so just, like, kind of assembled, he's a, he was a... He was an assembled checklist of different forms of nativist slash fear slash hateful kind of caricature. I just, I read really, it was, it was almost. Too on the nose? It, it was, but also just too, like I said, tropey, but there's another word for it and I can't think of it. Right See, now. okay, so like the dying thing, I absolutely get that. That makes sense for me. Um, that it was a little over the top because it was. It was totally. Um, but over I think his entire character, the reason why it's it feels so silly and tropey, is because we are expecting people not to be that big mm-hmm. and not to be that ridiculous. But really, what's disconcerting is that there are people that are just like him. You know, that's what's kind of scary in this art imitating life situation. Of there are people who say stuff like that and who have that mentality. You know, he might be a family man, he might have these good values in his heart, but he's not, like, he's still angry, and there are people who are just like that. You know, I... And it's kind of like, ugh. I kind of wish, one of the things, uh, I, side note, the, uh, father mentioned that they were gonna have to start taking statue commissions, uh, to, to make ends meet, and then I had this, I was secretly hoping that Lockwood Steel Company had been uh, contracted by Alcorp to manufacture the Supergirl statue, <laughs> that giant steel. That, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> the giant statue that Lena Luthor made of Supergirl, that would have been the funny, that is like missed 
gem right there. Yeah. What if Lockwood Still, Ben, and his father, who hates aliens, the only commission he could get to make anything out of his own still would be the Luther contract to make the Supergirl statue from season two. Can you imagine how bitter, that would be a reason to, that would be a bitter pill to swallow. I would love to have seen that story, story, story cycle into itself. Yeah. You know, cause it would fit more into the threads that of, of the past that they were trying to pull from the past to make a case as for the future and the present as to why Agent Liberty is the way he is. Well, yeah, you were talking about how you really did enjoy the, the backwards storytelling in this episode. And how we kind of were able to see from the ground up, you know? Yeah, and I think what was missing for me was the perspective of Lydia. Because we got this story of the Lockwards. And just so I can... I was watching very carefully. I never got the name of the Daddy Lockwood. So I'm just going to say his name is Daddy Lockwood. But so it was a Father Lockwood. (laughs) Father time. (laughs) It was George, the, the brother. It was Lydia, Ben's wife. And then it was Ben, right? I thought this was really interesting, like, mixture of people. Ben himself had no children. But I felt what was missing was Lydia's perspective. This was an all-male family with anti-alien sentiment. I really wanted to know where the wife kind of stood in all this. Mm. And because we were taking such a long time telling the story, I, I, I became interested, invested in these characters the father, George, has his perspective. He basically parrots what he hears from Father Lockwood. Yep. Ben, he's hesitant. He's not the first person to call somebody a name or he doesn't jump to conclusions. Um, Lydia, where did she stand? And this was a this was an instance where I felt like the it was a really it was a missed opportunity to have a female perspective that would have been valid in this storyline. That would have been actually And I actually thought she was gonna die. But then I was like, of course, because I feel like it's so easy to kill the woman. Like women are usually killed much more than men in in horror movies or to make a point or to further a person's storyline. You kill someone. Oh, you kill the love interest. And usually that's the woman. So I was like, it made sense for the father to die. But I was inherently internally ready for the wife to die when he kind of. Ben has this moment where he's choking up and he's like, I've lost someone to James. And um, I thought that I thought that he had implied that Lydia was dead. But apparently he and Lydia are, I, I imagine, are broken up. I have no idea what happened to Lydia. I'm curious. Okay, so uh, I just want to move a little, a little bit further into this. I'm going to skip Kara because she is in a lady coma, a kryptonite coma. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much to say about her acting. It was brilliant. <laughs> She plays Sleeping Beauty excellent. Excellent. Um, let's move down to Alex Danvers and Brainiac. Okay. So, there wasn't much uh, new scenes. There was one scene where we have Melissa Benoist rushed a la breathing mask into the DEO. And it was something I noticed that there was a parallel. Huh. Time out. I know. I do have a car. I know. <laughs> it has to do with Supercore. So, like, the last time there was a poisoning, it was Lena Luther, uh-huh. And she drank the, like, the almond cyanide yeah. and threw up. And they sent her the, the car flew her to the DEO. Uh-huh. And I, I remember, like, Alex goes into Grey's Anatomy mode. And then they put, like, a breathing mask on, like, Lena. Right, just like a like a painter's breathing mask. This is not a special mask. It's not putting air. There's no ventilation attached. And then I was 
I was laughing because it was it was they had Kara unconscious again, and then they put another painter breathing mask on Kara. Again, no ventilation, no heart monitor, monitor, no science attached to this. The the highest form of of uh, medical technology tech in the DEO is the breathing mask, and I thought that was hilarious. That is that's my Kara note for the show. Um, but I thought that Alex and John have one scene. And I thought this was a good scene because it's right after Kara's entered the DEO unconscious. It's a complete shit show. Agent Jensen has clearly gone AWOL. Once again, hoes ain't loyal. He's, you know, this never happened under Jean, yep. you know. And Alex is in charge of the DEO. She has a line where she says to John, she turns to him and she's like, I can fix this. I can fix her. And then there was a beat of silence where Jean said nothing. And I was like, whoever the writer is who didn't chose to not put anything in right there was brilliant. Because usually, you know, if you have like a male character, he'll like kind of tell the female what to do or start creating that plan. And I love the way that Jean did not tell Alex what to do and is like, well, you're director, you know, fix it. You know, I love the way that he didn't interject no. himself in the way that Manel would have. Yeah. In the way really that James would have. Yeah. In the way that Jeremy Jordan, a.k.a. Wynn, would have. He's the only male who doesn't over-assert himself, and he's also the paternal figure. And I really love John for that. And I, I think maybe the writer just forgot to, like... <laughs> Write a line or was like, no, clear I, think, it. I think it was just that silence, or even if it was David's it was, choice to like just not say anything. But I don't think he would have been scripted, it, it wouldn't have been a choice, but they didn't put anything right there. You'd be surprised sometimes, you know. Actors so, like, I just I thought that was great. If it, if it was like we need to sh tighten up the script that's cut away, that's fine, but I thought it really worked that beat of silence. Um, I think that quiet affirmation of her readership is really important. Um, do but, you like? Uh, Alex as this DEO figure. I, I do. It. I love it. What about you? Where, where are you with this? Um, I like it. I think it's just that it's a little... I don't know. I have to get used to her being a leader and not in the field. Doesn't it feel different, though? Well, like, it is different. Like, she's not Marsha Manhunter. She's not, um, you know, Hank Henshaw. She's Alex Danvers. She's close to Supergirl. Mm -hmm. She's... You know, everybody in the DEO is new and fresh, and she's like... She's new and fresh, and... She's idealistic, but also firm, and mm -hmm. I think it's just going to take a little bit more for me, story-wise, to really, like, see the kind of leader she is. Yeah. Because I think she's a really good leader when she was in the field, mm -hmm. and she was assertive, but now that she's actually at the top, it feels a little unbalanced. Like you just mm -hmm. said, the guy, you know, let the prisoners out. That didn't happen with John. Yeah. You know, was it a fact that people respected John and never do that, or did she not vet them properly? Or, like, what's the deal, you know, so... Uh, that would be a fabulous Alex-centric episode. I would love that episode. You know, just something, like, I just want to see her mentality. Because before, it was like, I want a kid and have a life and blah, blah, blah. And, but we still have to set her up as a leader. Like, we've seen her as a leader in the field, but not running something. I, so, before she gets her kid and her happy ending, and, like, I, yes, I can't wait to see Alex dating again, but I want to see her... Leading. Leading. Yeah. Truly leading, and showing that she's a badass who can who is a scientist mm -hmm. the thing is people keep saying lena's the smartest one in the show she technically is but then it's actually alex education although i don't know when 
<laughs> well, I mean, when, when was there? But, like, okay, technically, if you're going to go that, it's going to be Lena, Brainy, Alex. Mm. Alex has a freaking science degree. That's mm. why they hired her for the DAL, not because she could fight, but because she was smart. Um, and so, like, I want to see more of that. I want to mm-hmm. see her using that intellect um, in the DL. Right now, she's doing a lot of, you know, being a badass as far as being physical, but I miss showcasing that a woman doesn't have to be physical. I, she can be just I as smart. I think that, that has but more they kinda, to do with the shift of showrunners and how they imagine the characters you know maybe in the beginning they're like we want her to be the doctor and then they're like no no we want her to be a warrior yeah and 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 that she's really changed from that um i i thought that i really loved seeing alex yeah continue with this ever-growing evolution of her leadership in this episode. Yeah. There wasn't too much from Brainy this episode. Is there anything about Brainy that caught your attention? Not really. I do have one thing about Brainy, and I will talk about it in a moment. Okay. um, One person I do want to talk about in this, and I'm going to go out of order, is James. I felt like there was an opportunity for James to really have some interesting much a few more interesting i felt like we could have used a few more interesting scenes between ben lockwood and james because i really would like to see james more as a leader of catco or a voice of media and why he know more about what they're publishing and you know are they biased are they not biased where james james has been so neutral on this and so out of control and out of power Mm -hmm. there's no agency that now we're this could have been like a really great opportunity to further Catco's storyline, further the pedestrian world through James, telling a story of, you know, this Ben Lockwood being upset with him for... Bearing stories, possibly, or, you know, are they biased? Is Catco, right. you know? And James is a reporter, I'm doing that in quotes. <laughs> He's uh, a photographer. Photographer, whatever, who's, you know, that okay, yes, that's the thing that really pissed me off. He's the photographer who's now running Catco. Yeah. He do, he's not qualified for the job, which apparently seems to be a thing. And he isn't doing any more work to be better at leading Catco. Like, he should be asking those questions. Are we biased? Mm-hmm. Now that I'm at the top, let me look at the paper. Let me look at where we well, What are we printing? And yeah, here's the thing. They it's used to be happening. like a Vogue magazine, and now they're a paper. So just so you know. it's Well, really I mean, like, yeah, there's... But it's like, you can do that. Like, I thought it was can... Facebook, and then now it's a magazine, and now it's a newspaper. They, they, they've they been really unclear about what kind of media. Yeah, Catco and it was like, at first, like, journalism. I mean, I was like, okay, fine, but, like, now it's, I just, uh, I, I, get, I get it together, like, James. I felt like, I felt like, and then the other thing that about him that makes him really interesting is that James is the human who is a hero, and I really like that Ben Lockwood you know, had a connection to Guardian, and I loved his perspective of Guardian. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen James's perspective of Guardian and what he thinks about being hailed as a hero by these seemingly alt-right kind of people in society. And that what, that was a perspective that I feel like was missing because we, again, got a lot of what Ben thought, but we didn't get really what James thought. And that could have easily have been a scene included in this episode. But I, ultimately, I think that James, I think Agent Liberty's stuff makes James' stuff kind of slightly more interesting in its own right. And I could see the opportunity for them to finally develop James into that character. And every time we, we talk about James, I really try and give him a fa- fair shake. Mm-hmm. In the capacity that you tried to do that with Manel, 
I haven't been so hateful of J James's because I once was of his Manal, his friend. Um, so I feel like it, you could have really done a lot with James in this episode. He wasn't in a Broadway show. The actor was like, you know, ready to work. Mm. Um, okay, let's get on with it with uh, Lena Luther. What do you think about her stuff in this episode? I mean, let's be honest, it's Lena Luther, so I'm here for it. Um, Katie, really just Katie McGrath. McGrath, as she said. She was like, it's Groth. <laughs> it's like a burp in the back of your throat. Yeah, Groth. which I think the fact that she was like, uh, I just want to go on record to say that you're saying my name wrong. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, it, she was fabulous and on point. She said, don't go down this line of hate. You're going to end up like my brother. Oh, she, I think that when was, talking about Ben, gotcha. Yeah, when talking to Ben, I think it was very um, triggering for <laughs> Ben a little bit. And honest, because she was dead right. He yeah. ended up being... Relax, you know. Lena Luther reminds me of Cassandra of ancient Greek mythology. The 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 woman who had the ability to see into the future could see that the Trojans were going to be destroyed by the Greeks, and could see all of predict predicted it, and still nobody believed her. Yeah, she's constantly a force of somebody who's saying the right thing at the right time, and nobody takes her seriously or believes her. Yeah, it must be a real frustration to be to be the Luther. smartest person in the room. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it's, it's like oh my god, no one's listening. Even Brainy, who has been to the future, cannot predict what Lena Luther can, uh, because she's seen the base of humanity. Yeah. So I I thought that the wardrobe of the week really belonged to Lena. Oh, of course. This I was just telling you off the cast. This woman slays the word extra, like sure extra, extra, extra. Like her outfit at the funeral was just. Amazing, and it was just simple black shirt, black dress, but it was the shade of the lipstick that. Unless you have another outfit that no, you want to comment. No, I mean I'm loving the vampire chic thing. Vampire that, chic. That like black burgundy lipstick. Yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, I thought also honey. like the hilarious little suitcase pocket. What was that? It, it looked like my Apple TV. It's a whole, like, 18-letter word name. Oh, I got it. Like I got it. That was what I pulled up. So, apparently, Katie Mc... I mean, I'm going to say Lena Luther because I don't think Katie McGraw would actually do this. But uh, she, uh, Lena Luther carries a radiation control proto-environment housed in a vacuum-sealed mechanical exoskeleton contained in two-millimeter disc Power Ranger suit. And it also comes fully equipped with the House of Al emblem on it. So, Cara Danvers was poisoned this week. Alex had a moment where she was talking to Brainiac, and Brainiac was just like, there's a 99% chance that Cara's going to die, and nobody in the fucking universe knows what to do about it. And then, and then Alex Danvers was like, we got to call somebody. And then the cut to scene was fabulous of Lena Luther entering like stomping the in to save her life. And then the her her line was the best. It was like, "Where is she?" You know what I actually loved? I love this little I love this little uh, this agent court moment. Yeah. When you know Alex is like, "I know you know you guys don't get along, but I'm so glad that when she needs you, well, when I need you." Or whatever it was. Uh, she needs you, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, she's like, because it's important to me, uh, us. Uh, well, me, you know. She like really specified. Yeah, she connection. said it's important to me. Yeah, and and right there, how personal Alex made it. It's like, how could you not know that was in Kara? You know, 
Lena Luther knows Alex Danvers works as an FBI for the DEO. Yep. She also knows Alex Danvers is Kara's little si- older sister, you know? And why would Alex Danvers be so upset and concerned for a girl who looks just like her little sister without glasses it's and fabby fat hair? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then and then I loved it where Lena Luther was like, I mean, I like act like it, but I care. And it was just like I was like, we know how deep you care, Lena Luther. You have this little Power Ranger suit in your purse at all times. She just has it ready to go. It was like in her purse at Alcorp. You know, like when she goes to lunch, it's in her purse. And so I loved how, you know, she puts it on Supergirl's unconscious form. This suit just like unfolds like an origami. (laughs) And it's It's just like... like, a symbiote slash origami thing. It just like perfectly fits Kara. It happens to be red and blue. Coincidence? I think not. And it happens to have the House of Al Sigil already, you know, attributed, sewn on, hand-sewn probably by Lena Luther, um, to the crest, to the on top of the chest. And so now we have Kara Danvers, who is seemingly the bubble girl. I imagine they put her in a Power Ranger suit because they're shooting the crossover at the same time. They probably need Kara to not be there, but be there. And so that's my as- assumption. Which I am very excited for this crossover. I'm actually more excited for this crossover than last season's crossover. I think the crossover is going to be fun. It's going to be um, fucking fantastic. It should be definitely like... You got a white canary? No, I, I, no she's not going to be in that. What? Legend, <laughs> no, yeah, Legends aren't doing this crossover. Oh, shit. You got a Batwoman, yeah. which I'm like, oh my god. You got uh, you got Car Danvers. I'm there for it. You got the fucking arrow looking like a dweeb as the Flash. Oh, well, yeah. I, I think that was just, I don't know what the, that was. But. They switch costumes. That's what the whole, it's Otherworld or Elseworld. <laughs> it's going to be silly. It is going to be silly. I can't wait for this. I'm here for it. I'm, you know, this episode was pretty good. <coughs> I, I was here for it. Um, I appreciated it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm liking the way that they're having it go. Like, Supergirl doesn't seem shitty at the moment. She seems super, even when in a coma. It feels more super. Also, I love the fact that we're setting up this American versus like, Russia. Yeah, I mean, it's get like they, you know, Supergirl with the flag, Supergirl, you know, really pleading to American people, you know, doing being very American because let's be honest, when Russian Kara shows up, shit's gonna really. I wonder if she had that Russian accent. Oh God, I hope she's working on it because I don't have time to judge that because that will be in the salty cast. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think that, for sure, from what I've seen, we're not getting a dark Lena Luthor. I think they they were going that way, and they turned a hard right U-turn. We are getting Lena Luthor team up in a mech battle. I think she'll end up in the Luthor suit by the end of the season. This is my prediction. Well, the thing is, yeah, let's get into those predictions. Yeah, that's a good... That's I, my a good first one. prediction is the end of the season, we have a mech battle. Supergirl, Lena Luthor battling against evil Supergirl and all Lex Luthor. Mercy Graves, Otis Graves, if Otis is not dead, because I predict he'll be dead by mid-season. And um, and Agent Liberty. And Agent Liberty will have some sad sack storyline about how he's not that bad. Maybe he'll even flip at the end. Who cares? This is going to be a great battle royale of the moat of, of our... Of our proportions. Of Supercore versus all the base bitches in the universe. Go. That's funny. Um, I think that... Lex Luthor's gonna show up and he's gonna be the real bad. Oh, yeah. 
and we're going to finally see Lena against her. Against good people, Lena might seem dark and like she could be evil. Against a real evil person, she's good as shit. Yeah, she's <laughs> you know, insane. Because she lives in the gray. We keep having Lena in the gray. We like Lena in the gray because she said it already. You know, the, the, when the homegirl was like, oh, all the humans are evil, she goes, you don't know them like that. But then when, you know, Supergirl does stuff, she's like, you're also wrong. So, like, she can call people out when they're wrong on both sides. But, you know, she's not playing favorites. She pretty much goes, I'm, I'm not picking a side. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the problem. You pick a side, I don't have to pick one. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's very, like, um, bow unaligned, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's great because it's helpful to stay unaligned. Because you then can get help from some dark places if you need it. You can get help mm-hmm. from some light places and still be credible. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that um, Lena really figured that out. And I'm, I'm here for it. So I'm, I think that when it comes to Lex, she's going to show her goodness against his kind of I, tyranny and jealousy and anger or whatever. I think we're going to have a Lena reveal of Supergirl's identity probably by mid-season. You I know it would be funny? Them- Lex... Um, because it'd be funny if everybody in the Luther house except for Lena finds out she's Supergirl. It would be atrocious, but it'd be funny. I, I don't think that... I think that they were trying to... Kitty, Kitty McGraw always talks about how, the, you know, Supergirl needs a human to keep her human. Um, a human relationship to keep her human. But I find that to be really... I don't think that's true because I think that re- Super, Supergirl's humanity is always intact because she has that relationship with Alex Danvers and with James. And so I feel like she doesn't really need a human friend who doesn't know who she is. I think that we're going to have that reveal. I do think that before the finale, the reveal of the identity will be hashed out and figured out. If she already doesn't know by now. I think she knows by now. Lena's the smartest person on the show. Smarter than Brainiac, who's from the future. Who knows all the quantifiable figures of everything. He's a data freak yeah you know so i just think i think there's that uh any other predictions for you um i don't know when or if um you know when we're gonna figure out this whole age of liberty situation um for those of you guys who have not seen it hey how dare you you should watch legends of korra (laughs) oh yeah okay better question for you are we gonna have because this show might have another three years because honestly well real quick one other thought Legends of Korra is literally Supergirl. It is. It, and Supergirl is literally Legends of Korra. And it, for all the people who are like, oh, I don't get Supercorp, watch freaking Legends of Korra. You'll get Supercorp. Well, actually, it's kind of funny because Legends of Korra, Korasami, has even less Korasamis in season one, two, three. It isn't until season four that you get a, the Korasami, yeah. and it's very, very light. Yeah. Whereas we've been getting love bombs. <laughs> love bombs of, of Supercorp. Yeah. But, so, okay, here's yeah. a thought. Say Supergirl, because it's on CW, it lives forever, essentially. Say it's renewed for, like, four more seasons or three more seasons. Do we end in 2021 with the Supercore endgame? Yes or no? By 2021 or 22, if the show ends by then, do we have this? Well, I'm going to say no. And the reason, because if it was a Disney Channel or if it was a Cartoon Network or a Nickelodeon, then yes, I would say absolutely, because those shows are always like, you can't, if you say anything gay, it's going to pull the revenue, and, and no one wants to see it, and the sponsors won't be there. So, and like how Steven Universe and all these things, 
uh, what was the one that just reads out uh, Adventure Time? They were like, oh, there's no gay in Adventure Time. And then the last episode, they were like, bam, the lesbians. So, like, they gave it all, all what we wanted the last episode because guess what? It's the last episode. You can't do shit about it. Mm. So, if I would say yes if it was, like, one of those shows. Like, what if it was, like, a Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, because they would do it the last episode just to spite the fucking people who wouldn't watch it or give them ratings. That would be my dream, just to give a big F you to the folks who were like, mm-hmm. Super Clutch, not a thing. Because, uh, yeah. But I don't think they will, because I don't think they have the balls for it. That's, I, I think frankly, that, that's, here's my thought. I think you can always hope. I think if, like, they're like, Korasami, Legends of Korra, check, check, check. I think if they're just following, if, they, if they're, they're literally ripping off Legends of Korra, then yeah, wish away. But here's my thought. I think it all depends on if people get recontracted. Katie McGrath's contract is up. It's a three-year contract? Yeah. I think so. I, it would be a three-year contract or a four. We don't know. But the show, if it goes on longer than her contract, she might ask for more money, in which case they might be like, bye. Because <laughs> that's true. <laughs> bye, girl, bye. You know, but I also think then, and, and they would be willing to take the hit in the ratings. They brought in somebody else or, you know, started, whatever. So I think it's whether the homegirl stays on the show or not. Yeah. You know? I mean, like... All actors, you know, if they if they were to stay, then my prediction is, I, I mean, I just don't think they have the balls to do it, even if the actor stayed. Um, but they might honestly just surprise us. Because the thing is, what I'm, I get a little frustrated with, and fine, whatever. The fact that Supercorp is media wise and in papers, one of the highest ships that's never happening. Mm-hmm. Like it's higher than actual canon ships. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally one. It's and competing it, against Outlander, Jamie and Claire, and I fucking love Jamie and Claire. Yeah, but like the thing is, canon couples. They're canon. It's beating out canon couples. Yeah. You know, and as a and it keeps the name. It's keeping Supergirl in the mix mm-hmm. and in the fold. And I feel like to not reward or play Do up diligence. that is kind of like we used you gays. I don't know. I just feel like I feel like you just gotta keep twisting an arm until you get your way. So I don't know. It's a continuous conversation. It's a good one to have, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, that's kind of our cast for the day. You know, it wasn't a ton to talk about just because we really found the super core and we milked it, people. Just like that. You know, like the whole episode was actually about Ben Lockwood, but you wouldn't know that based on this cast. That's so funny. It's true. Because <laughs> nobody cared about Ben Lockwood. We were like, Lena's coming to save her wife. I got who he was in the first 10 yeah. seconds. As soon as they were like, you were a good man once, and now you're not. We're like, all right, cool, whatever. We're like, yeah. been there, done that, bye. I like Bobo better as like a redeemable villain, just oh, saying. Yeah. If you get Ben versus Bobo, the B, the bow, Bobo the Bob wins, yeah. But uh, yeah, anyways, um, check out... Um, our charmed cast that we're gonna do we uh, weren't able to do last week because i had zero voice and i've been out of the city it's a whole thing um but we're gonna do kind of a back-to-back double header on that and bring it to you guys and my legends of tomorrow stuff my equipment wasn't working so i'm trying to figure that out so that i can get you guys my reactions because i've been so far loving this season and we're on episode two so you know just keep your eyes peeled for that jim uh, we just started our Patreon, and we would, if you would go on over to our Patreon page, it's at whataboutthat on podbean.com. You can go on ahead and click and help us out. Help us grow the production of the show. Any small increment, a dollar. 
Yeah, because you know we're really trying to um, we'll build help us, um, and it'll help us in the interim because it's just Jen and I right now um, doing all the editing and all the stuff. And I'm a working actor, and it's very I'm a working worker. <laughs> ha! That's funny. Uh, and so like a lot of the times I'm not able to like cast or whatever. So getting other people to edit when we can or you know stuff like that is gonna be really helpful. So if you guys want to go over there, slide on down. And you then slide into your pockets, and then slide some cash. Let's bring in your you head. a better quality production, Absolutely. better mics, more content, better, faster uploads. This a little goes a long way, and we would appreciate it, especially if you've been with us for a while and you know from the beginning to now, and you could chronicle such gems as the salty super core review <laughs> or hashtag make it real. Hashtag make it real. <laughs> Done a lot of stuff to help this community. And uh, we want to continue to give back to this community and grow it. Yeah. All right, so guys, see you uh, around, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. And if you want to take us on the go, we are now available on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. And if you want to slide on over to Twitter, make sure you find us at whatabout underscore dat. Hope to see you soon.